is Christine Conti, and you are listening to best-selling author of Split Second Courage. What if your fears were the key to your dreams? That's right, everyone. Available on Amazon right now as an ebook or paperback. Grab your copy today and unleash your inner superhero. What is holding you back from living the life you truly deserve? It is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fake crazies. And the microphone. where it's at. How you doing, Brian? I am very good and excited. Good mm-hmm. episode. We are rolling into the 4th of July weekend, even though we'll get this, you know, yeah, after. Yeah, we just timestamp that year. one, but that's all right. Another year. Uh, we have such... A great show because one of my good friends is our guest today, <laughs> uh, Carly Taylor, who I love dearly. And we uh, just happened to have a course out and have been kind of uh, beginning our journey as kind of blown the whistle on the eating disorders and disordered eating in the fitness industry and beyond and really trying to open the dialogue for people that are afraid to talk about something that is rampant. That's right. Opening the dialogue and really, you know, giving the fitness professional just some tools as mm-hmm. to how they can handle it. And look, we all have good intentions. Uh, unfortunately, we're not always judged by our mm-hmm. intentions. We're judged by our actions. And sometimes our actions fall short in helping people that need our help. So, you know, I just think that it's uh, it's it's great. You guys are so fun and, and fantastic. And you take a topic that, you know, is tough. It's 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 uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about that in this episode, how it's just not all like, you know, some people just don't want to go there. No. Um, but, you know, you have to. And it's, uh, you know, if, if the goal is to help people and the goal is to, you know, create better health in people, uh, then, you know, if eating is, you know, their way of eating or their, you know, their tendencies or their behaviors are getting in the way, well, then, you know, best address it. Mm-hmm. And. You're going to hear, you know, a little background when Carly and I met, we were at fitness conferences, we're looking around and, you know, there's lectures here and there about, hey, you know what, this is what an eating disorder is, this is what the symptoms are, but there was no one out there saying, here's what you do to take action and help. Here's what you can do to, you know, not trigger your clients. Here here are things you you may want to say, you may want to have referrals in your back pocket or you know, you may not as- want to assume that people always want to lose weight and you should put them on scales. And there's a lot that we are doing wrong out oh, there. Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot that we can do to do better. And that's what Carly and I are trying to do. And we wrote a course together that's on medfitclassroom.org um, for fitness professionals or anyone just to really help with how to communicate with someone that may have a eating disorder or disordered eating or what even is that Sure, if you don't know. And, um, you know, we're hoping to make some waves and maybe change some lives. I love it. You guys do a great job and it's always great to have Carly on. She's a repeat guest and she's just so good and uh, we're happy to have her. So we, uh, get to it here. Let's, uh, enjoy this one and.
Hello, everyone. Joining us today is a friend of the podcast, no stranger, and a very good friend by the name of Carly Taylor. How are you, Carly? I'm so excited to be hanging out with you guys again. <laughs> likewise, likewise. And it is awesome to have you back on the show because you know, we've had we've had you talk about your fitness endeavors and your companies and everything you're into, which we'll, you know, we'll we'll mention that as well, but um we have been busy in the last uh, few years or so and finally decided um, you know, got the the match underneath our our butts and put together something that we've been talking about for a really, really long time and um, decided that it was time to blow the whistle on the fitness industry and beyond and talk about eating disorders and disordered eating and how rampant it is and how this needs to be a normal conversation. So, Oh, amen. Oh, my gosh. We've been getting – so Carly and I have been getting riled up for um for quite a while now and wrote you know courses and are doing workshops and talking and we're here today to kind of get a uh get the word out a little bit more about what's going on and you know Carly's going to share a little bit of her story as well and I know you guys are going to love it. Brian, you're going to love it. And and I'm here to supervise. <laughs> Right? Oh jeez! No. Thank God somebody is Brian. Thank God <laughs> needs some supervision, and here I yeah. am. All right, no, I'm I'm excited for this because uh, like so many things that you know, I believe that the fitness industry just gets wrong, and we mm-hmm. they freaking blow it, and <laughs> they stink at it. Um, <laughs> you know, like you know, in a, in a in a world that's meant that to be good and you know to do well for people and to help create long, healthy lives and all the things that we do for 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 that being the mission and the purpose, you know, the underlying theme of fitness and the fitness industry, we sure do suck at this. Um, so we do. <laughs> and uh, I guess with that said, let me let you two take the floor, and I'll jump in when necessary. All right, even before we get into this, all right, are you ready? So today, I find this on my counter, okay? Brian, you know who this is. I find this freaking newsletter on my counter, and it's I by- I get the same newsletter. It's, yeah, it's by this- I'm scared. Local doctor of, like, chiropractic, supposedly, like, you know, does a bunch of, like, wellness and whatever. Listen. Um, you can go to him to lose weight, It by the talks way. about- it says so the thing is so I open this up and it and the article title is why fad diets don't work. Okay, right? Like good. Let's let's get into this. Um you know, how do I know if it's a fad diet? blah 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 going on and on and on. The issue is, here we go. We're talking about fad diets, they don't work whatever. But guess what? You are still pushing pills and powders and shakes and and I don't I don't understand. And and this is the issue. But this is this that I get every single day pushed in my face of, you know, emails and social media and, you know, oh, this doesn't work and this doesn't work. And, you know, oh, we should be holistic and natural. Oh, but by the way, you need to take this pill because it's going to blah, blah, blah. Or you need to fast. You need to count your calories and your steps and your I don't I don't understand, Carly. Like it 
it Seriously. makes my head explode. So that right. is no, come where on, I want to sure start. I'm going to read this in italics here because I, I just grabbed it off of Christine oh, no. here. It says, offers a diet program, but blank offers a diet program that teaches you exactly how to eat right and restore your body to a healthy weight, which, you know, geez, we're just waiting for this guy to come in and save of us all, right? Yeah. And <laughs> On his white what horse. is a healthy weight? Right. And, and, you know, I think that's. That's a huge point. But really, you know what this is all about, Christine. It's all about money, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's yep. making money off of supplements, off of shakes, off of his diet plan that's a you know, cookie cutter plan that he's going to give the same thing to you that he's going to give to Brian without even meeting you. So we should go undercover. It's an industry. We should go undercover and I'll go in there. I mean, he, he knows us, but with all my scars and tattoos and cuts and <laughs> like I am, everyone knows who I am. We should go in there and see if, if we both get the same. You send me plan. in. Yeah, there you go. Um, so if y'all haven't realized it today, this is, this is real. This is happening. Um, years ago, just backstory, you know, Carly and I met at a, you know, a fitness conference. We we're both presenting and, you know, looked around and, you know, after talking, realized we'd both struggled and been through some, you know, ups and downs with eating disorders, disordered eating. And as we looked around, we were like, you know, we're not the only two yet. No one's talking about it. And we were talking about it, but it was something that is kind of brushed under the rug. I think it's, you know, again, we're very much in the fitness industry. I think it's everywhere, but for us, we have the ability to make some changes in this industry and we're dealing with people who have a ton of influence over other people. So we're looking around and seeing these, you know, these instructors that have, you know, amazing followings, not only in the United States, but worldwide who may not be the healthiest themselves and also be giving advice that, is triggering is actually hurting people we can see it but we're not sure that others can and we feel that it is our responsibility in life i think it's kind of a calling things don't happen for you know no reason and we can do something and that's kind of where we started so i'm going to kick it over to to you carly yeah i think the hardest part especially for people in our industry is the first step of, you know, like everything, admitting you have a problem, right? But I think that was the hardest part for me when I became a fitness professional, started working in this industry. I didn't want to share with my clients, with my students that I had ever had issues with food, with body image, because then how could I call myself a fitness professional, right? How could I be, you know, someone to mentor them if I had struggled, And I think that's where a lot of people are living right now in that space of shame, that space of fear that admitting that they ever had a problem or currently struggle will make them seem weak in the eyes of their students or their clients. And I think what we have to do is kind of fight the good fight and let them know that letting your clients know that you're human makes you more accessible, makes you more relatable and makes your students trust you more. And will in the long run help them a lot more than, you know, hiding all your stuff. So let's um, let's go back to talking. You know, speaking of stuff and hiding stuff, <laughs> and you know, you 
have you've been very vocal and very open with you know coming out about your story and you know what you've been through and it's <laughs> I'd like to say you know when we what's interesting Brian is we um like we always we always like will come on to an interview and I remember saying to Carly like all right what do you want me to write like after your name like what's what are you going to say with your bio and Carly would be like who gives a shit about our you know our education and our letters and whatever she's like the reason why we're talking is because we're eating disorder survivors that's the only thing that matters right now yeah okay i got this degree and this and that but this is why and that is exactly what you just said yeah. no there's no other credential that's important that this is what needs to be said um so let's so let's back it up what gives you that credential what the heck take us through a little you know, obviously I know the backstory, but take our listeners through a little journey, a little uh, Carly, a Carly adventure. <laughs> oh boy, buckle up, man. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to actually take you all the way back to the very beginning. And Christine, I don't even know if I shared this exact story with you, but I think it's relevant because a lot of the things we've been talking about, a lot of the you know podcasts and interviews that we've done, we've been talking about how comments that people make that seem to be harmless maybe even positive, can be triggering and can be really hurtful. So I'm going to really emphasize that with my own trigger story and how this whole thing started. Um, when I was about 15, I believe I was 15, I was at a Christmas party, family Christmas party. We did this every year. whole family gets together. And I had never really thought about weight. Um, or my body in those terms. I had recently started running track. I was on the high school tennis team. I was active, but I always thought of working out as a way to be better at my sport. And period, the end. That was it. And I had thought about food as something that I enjoyed. Um, I was a vegetarian already at that time, but I never counted calories or you know any of that stuff. And I was at Christmas and I was standing in the kitchen. I can picture this so well. I mean, right down to that weird mustard color refrigerator that existed in so many of our houses, right? Um, and, I, and I can picture myself standing there and I can picture the sweater that I had on and the really bad 90s hair, but that's beside the point. And my aunt, and I won't mention her by name, but my aunt who had very good intentions was standing in front of me and she looked at me and she looked down. So her eyes cast down towards like my midsection. And when she looked down at my midsection, she kind of smiled and she looked back at my face and she said, wow, you look good. Are you, are you exercising more or eating differently? You look like you've lost some of that little girl belly. And I just stopped like dead in my tracks. And I put my hand on my stomach and I was like, little girl belly. And she meant it as like a compliment kind of, but also like, oh, you're growing up, whatever she meant. It wasn't meant to be harmful. And I answered her and I just said, well, I, I'm on the track team and I, I've been running and I, I guess maybe I've lost weight. I don't, I don't know. And then I remember going down the stairs in this house to a bathroom that was in the basement and I shut the door and I locked it. And there was a mirror that was up on the wall, but like, you know, chest height. It wasn't like a full length mirror, but the toilet was across from it. So I got up on the toilet, stood on the toilet and pulled my shirt up to look at my midsection. And that 
activity, that thing became something that I did, a ritual that I did, I don't know, three, four, 15 times a day. I would go into a room with a mirror and however I had to angle myself to be able to see my midsection. And I would lift up my shirt and look for a front view and a profile view just to make sure that I didn't have that little girl belly again. And it was from that point on, no looking back, no turning back. And I I couldn't explain it if I tried, like why that hit me the way that it did. Yes, I had that predisposition for this to happen to me, but that was the moment. That was the trigger. It's so bizarre that you never realize sometimes, like that for you was the second, you know, I could see it. Like you just never thought before. And all of a sudden you're like, hmm, belly? Hmm. And, and honestly, we've all been, we've all been conditioned by society and by social media and what we see and what we hear. You were already conditioned. It just didn't happen to you yet. And when it did, that's the way you reacted. Some people I think are just like, all right, whatever. (laughs) it's, It's true. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, I think that you are not in the minority for that. And it, it's it's interesting because sometimes like yours it seemed to be very like it started almost very superficial you know like it mm-hmm. was like a oh my gosh i should look a certain way or whatever and you know what's what's interesting is that you know you've got that aspect and then how you know how i started with you know eating disorders disordered eating was was control mine was control i felt that i did not have control over certain things and that was my control you know, maybe this will never be the same, but you know what? I can control what I eat. I can control how I exercise. I can control, you know, all of these other things I felt were spiraling, but this I could control and I could control what I ate and when I didn't eat and when, and it became like a, it became a game. And as a very competitive Mm -hmm. person, like, Oh, don't, don't ever question my, you know, determination or my crazy because it's there, you know, it's, you know, and honestly, it's been really helpful in my life, but there's points where, you know, where it's not, you know, and Brian, you, you know, the same, same idea, you know, when that, that crazy's helpful and that crazy's like, oh my gosh, please don't, you know, go away. I, I can't have this anymore. Um, Hulk smash. Right. Um, but yeah. I, I think it's important for everyone to understand this is, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have and, to- and even like in your case, Christine, like when you said that the control and, and what you think, like discipline is something that we hang our hat on as like, you know, a badge of, of, of honor. And that control is, you know, discipline. I'm discipline eating mm-hmm. I, and I can do that. You know, this is my specialty almost, you know, it's like, and, and, you know, but what you're doing is controlling uh-huh. <laughs> and it's not really, you know, too healthy if it goes in the, it goes in the wrong direction. So, yeah, I mean, mine had a huge element of control too, as it grew, you know, I started to, I was a straight A student, right? I had to be the best at everything that I did. So gosh, darn it. If I was going to be an anorexic, I was going to be the best (laughs) damn one in all of New Jersey. Right. So, I mean, I started to track all my calories, weigh myself three, four five times a day. Everything was like you said, a competition and control. And in my head, I was in control of all of these little things, but it wasn't for, I don't know, 10 or so years that I realized like, wait, I have absolutely no control. Right. This thing that 
I thought I was in control of is controlling every decision in my life, every thought that comes into my head. And, and that when you start to realize like, I'm not in control, that that's an, a wake up call. So take us, take us forward. Um, you know, I, cool. I know that you, you know, had some rough times and I think that's important too. So now you're talking, all right, you're not in control. There's points in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm not in control. There's, I can't do this. I'm not going to go to dinner. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to see these people because I, it gives me anxiety. And so you wound up getting very thin. Take us through oh, yeah. that. Take us through this. Yeah. So this trigger thing happened when I was 15. Um, I still had junior and senior year of high school ahead of me. Um, junior year, it was, it wasn't overwhelming. There were little bits and pieces. Like I would think about it. I would exercise a little bit more. I mean, you know, I bought the Suzanne Summers Master <laughs> and I bought the Reebok step and, oh, I had it all. And I would do that after school every day. I would exercise um, not to get better at my sport, but, you know, to, to exercise, to lose weight. Um, I did use the excuse that if I was a sprinter. So if I was lighter, I would be faster, which is not true, which we know not but true. at the time. I know, I know. But um, at the time, as a 16 and 17-year-old person, it made sense in my head. And it was a good excuse to give to my mom and to my friends as to why I was working out so much and why I was spending this time doing that. So I didn't res- I didn't start restricting until my senior year. I don't know how it started. I just started to eliminate more and more things from my diet. I started to look at labels, started to look at calories, um, I think this was in that, you know, the Snackwell era when everybody was afraid of fat, right? So I only ate things that were fat-free, um, only ate things that were fat-free, you know, fat-free cookies, fat-free version of crackers, fat-free this, fat-free that. Um, and they're so good for you. And I started, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well Crazy, you know, right? I need, I need to lose fat and fat-free that works for me and it all lines up and yeah. And marketing. Yeah, yeah that's not well as marketing. And, you know, the, do you remember those wow potato chips that had like the fat that your body couldn't digest? Yeah, I love oh, those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lean. But yes, exactly. No, but so I started restricting and um, little by little. And some people started to notice, some friends started to notice, made a couple comments. I blew it off. I always had good excuses. Um, wore baggy clothes anyway. I was a skater chick back in the day. So wearing big clothes wasn't. Um, you know, it wasn't that much of a surprise. My clothes tended to get bigger, but uh, again, my mom thought it was just fashion. So it wasn't a big deal. I think it really hit when I went away to college because there was no one checking up on me. You know, they talk about people gaining the freshman 15. I think I lost the freshman 30. Wow. Um, yeah, I had a really strict regimen of what I ate and I, I can tell you exactly what it was. Um, do you remember those Wasa crackers? They may still exist, but they were like two crackers were like 40 calories. So I would have two of those in the morning with sugar-free Palaner all-fruit jam <laughs> and a giant cup of hot tea. And that would carry me pretty much throughout the whole day. Um, I would drink a boatload of Diet Coke, like six, seven, eight Diet Cokes. So I would drink a lot of hot tea because I was always cold. And then my freshman year of college – people on my floor would go to dinner together. So I had to appear somewhat normal. So I would have this giant salad, which consisted primarily of lettuce and cucumbers. Um, And then I would have 
a little bit of frozen yogurt. And that was like my thing. If I was good all day, good in quotes, right? All mm-hmm. day, then I could have that little kitty size frozen yogurt from the soft serve machine. And, you know, salad and that, those, those are things that were weighed in the meal halls. So they were more expensive. So my mother would never be alerted to the fact that I wasn't eating because I was spending money on a regular basis on my meal plan. It's just, you know, a heavy bowl of lettuce and cucumbers and a lot of diet Coke and frozen yogurt. And that was pretty much my entire freshman year of college. Yeah. <laughs> and then kind of crazy. And then was that alarming to people? I mean, most people would they come home for a visit or they, you know, they see the weight up, the weight down, and it's like, whoa, okay. Um, was that something that you came across there? Yeah, but I will tell you, um, when you're dealing with an eating disorder, when it becomes so important to you, you become kind of a master manipulator. Yeah. Um, I had never in my life, I mean, I was goody, goody two shoes, man. Growing up, I was the perfect child. I never got in trouble. I never did anything wrong. I never lied to my mom. Um, and I would, I just was ripping them off. You know, I would lie to my mom about everything, including, you know, about what I ate and exercise and things like that and make excuses for not going places and doing things. Um, she made me go to a nutritionist. I agreed to go to a nutritionist the summer after my freshman year of college and, you know, keep a food journal, which I lied in um, and get on the scale, which I would drink like a gallon of water and put shit in my pockets before I would get on the scale. So it would look like I was gaining weight. I mean, yeah, it, it became all encompassing and I became a person that I didn't want to be because the most important relationship in my life was that relationship with this disorder. And it, it was control, just like Christine said. It was other things were spiraling out of control and I was in control of this. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. And then this went on for years. I mean, I passed out. Brian, you'll appreciate this. I passed out at a couple punk shows, um, <laughs> passed out in the mosh pit of a Pennywise show there at the go. Stone Pony. Um, good, good times. Um, <laughs> but, hold you know, hold on a sec. Hot. What, what year would have that been? Cause I might've been there too. You're probably there. Um, <laughs> 1997, maybe. Uh, I, was, I tell you what, there. if I was around, I was living out West then, but I used to come home for the summers. If I was around, I was there. I don't know if I saw him in the summer of 97. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we ran into each other cause I was at the, I was there all the time. That's awesome. You know, But yeah, so that kind of went on for quite a while. And it was in my sophomore year of college that I think I hit bottom. Um, I'd been, I passed out quite a bit. I had zero friends. Um, I had straight A's, but I was blacking out. I don't remember a lot of that time. I remember bits and pieces, but my sophomore year of college, I was laying in bed and I could feel my heart beating and that like flutter thing and my heart racing. And then I felt like it stopped. I know it didn't cause I was still alive, but it felt like it stopped. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I'm going to, I'm going to die. I don't want to die. I'm not doing this because I'm depressed. I'm not doing this because I don't want to be here. Why am I doing this? Right. And my roommate at the time, she had a family sized box of wheat thins on a shelf on her side of the room. And I got up in the middle of the night and I went over and I took the box of wheat thins. 
and I sat cross-legged on my bed and I ate the entire box. And like, I felt sick, but I didn't, I didn't purge. I was never, I was never bulimic. And then I kind of like passed out into a food coma. And that was where I shifted from hardcore straight out anorexic to this strange combination of anorexic and binge eating disordered individual, um, which, you know, in about a month brought in the whole exercise bulimia thing. So I had the trifecta going on. Um, I would starve myself for a while. Then I would binge on something, be completely out of control and then get up the next day and run for like three hours to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. What a life, right? It's, I mean, it's something that I think more people deal with than people would like to admit, put it that Absolutely. way. And again, from one master manipulator to another, there's, you know, you're, you play the game. And I think that, you know, as a, as a fellow intelligent female, that when you do get good grades and have a good job and have all the things and you you play the game. It's really it's play the game, and you tell people what they want to hear. Um, you know, being that I've been to nutritionists and this and that when I was younger, I remember being like, "You want me to eat what? Like, yeah, sure, I'll eat all those calories throughout the day." Like, and being like, "Yeah, this no." Mm-mm. Um, it was. It just it doesn't make sense. It's like a different universe. Like it. Like you can't even explain it it's like telling someone that's addicted to drugs or alcohol like yeah no just don't drink here just replace it with water it'll it's fine and you're like what no no it's it's the same thing and that's you know when we talk about you know different you know diseases and addictions and whatever it's the same thing it's an addiction and it controls your entire life like you said every single decision that you make is controlled by what did I eat? What do I, what do I need to do? How many steps do I need to take today? Because if not, you are going to have a full out panic attack and, you oh. know, anxiety attack or whatever that may be for you. Um, Once again, all that control you have. Right. Right. All <laughs> yeah. the control, all of it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. We're good. I got this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to, you know, going with what you're saying, how is it, you know, someone looks at you now and is like, oh, you're so successful. You've overcome this. What do you say to them? I think I used to think that I was successful in spite of my eating disorder. Um, and I've realized maybe over the past three or four years that I'm successful because of my eating disorder. Uh, and that that flipped a switch for me and made it all not positive, but all in some weird way worth it. Um, you know, I learned, I learned a lot about myself. I, I mean, I messed up a lot. I, I burned a lot of bridges. I heard a lot of people. I lied to people. I mean, about things other than food, you know, because eating disorders aren't because they don't start because of food issues. They really don't. They start because of some issue in your head, something in your past, some form of shame. And, you know, shame is that we think we're not worthy of being accepted, being loved, being whatever. And that all stems back to 
you know, my relationship or lack thereof with my father growing up and my need to be perfect in order to get him to accept me, to love me, to appreciate me, whatever. So not only did I lie about food, I started to do things like, for instance, I remember being on a trip with a boyfriend who will go nameless. We were in another country visiting a friend. And I was putting glasses away to try to help do dishes after a meal. And there was no one else in the kitchen. And I dropped a glass and shattered it. I quickly cleaned it up, hid it in the bottom of the garbage, and then acted like nothing happened. And later on, the woman was like, oh, I swore that we had, whatever, six glasses and not five. Like, I can't find the other one. I said, nothing. And later that night, this boyfriend said to me, did you break that glass? I thought I heard something. And I said, no. He was like, you're lying to me. <laughs> like I walked into the room and I saw you cleaning it up. Why are you lying to me? And I was like, I, I'm not lying. Oh, yes, I was. Of course I was lying. But you just get into this, like, you can't, you're so afraid of doing something wrong, of getting, quote, caught, that you just keep digging. And it's like you're holding on to that, to the grave. Every, and I did that a lot. I did that, too. Everything's a cover-up. Yeah. And it's, and it's part of that addictive personality. It's like I broke a glass. It's not like I did anything significant. It was probably like a $7 Pier 1 imports glass. <laughs> but but no, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. No. No, I didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, that, that carried forward for a very long time. I mean, it was probably the last – within the last 10 years that I really had to look myself in the mirror and say, you know what? You do shit wrong. And when you do shit wrong, you got to be able to say, hey, I messed up, man. And that was a hard, that was, I think, my last bit left of that personality. And that was a hard fight to get rid of that. And sometimes I still find myself like pausing. I'm like, no, I, yeah, I did that. You know what is interesting? A lot of people that, you know, I'm going to blanket this. You could tell me if I'm wrong, that we associate, you know, any any sort of like addictive behaviors and whatnot what are triggers? Triggers are things that make you feel bad. You associate that mm -hmm. negative emotion with, yep. I'm going to cover up this negative emotion. I'm going to cover things up with this, this, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is, whether it's, you know, your eating disorder, your exercise, your, your restrictive eating, your purging, your drinking, your drugs. That is what that feeling gives us the, I'm in control. I feel better as, as disgusting as it is or whatever it makes, it gives you like a high, it gives you something that absolutely that covers up that, you know, maybe it's, you know, there's, there's, I even think points in my life where, you know, people treat you poorly or they tell you you're not good enough or something happens and you're just all of a sudden you feel that for a moment, you feel it again. And you're like, all right, you don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go like, and you yeah. really have to talk yourself through it. All right. What are my coping mechanisms that I've put in because when I was younger, I sure as hell didn't have them and something bad would happen, you know, and I feel like, you know, we're riding that roller coaster in life. Something bad happens, you know, you're, you could get sucked into like it's depression or anything else. What, mm -hmm. what do you have in place? Which is, I think why, you know, we say you're eating disorder survivors. It's not like, oh yeah, you know what? 
I beat it. I beat this. I beat no. You're constantly for the rest of your life, whatever it is that you've struggled yeah, with, you there. will feel it. And what is it that you know? Is it people that we surround ourselves with? Is it you know whatever we've replaced it with? Um, but that I think is an important conversation because yes, this is for everybody. I want everyone in the fitness industry to turn around right now and look at themselves. What is it that you have gone through or struggled or struggling with? And what is it that you're telling other people? Are you owning it? Are you owning the fact that you're not perfect with your diet or your exercise or your relationships, whatever the heck it is? Or are you covering it up? Because we don't want to admit that we have imperfections. And I will tell you right now, I was at a very big fitness conference last week and I looked around and I'm like, damn, I wonder if some of these people know what's going on with them and what they tell their clients or the people that work for them. Or are they walking the walk or is it just lip service. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that comes into a whole nother conversation. So if you are in the fitness industry and you do have things going on and you, and you are suffering, you need first to get your team in place, your therapy team, your, you know, psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, nutritionist, whoever is on your team. And you need that in place before you share your story with your students because otherwise what you're doing is you're creating this circle of disordered behavior, right? And even though you think I'm being real, I'm being human, I'm going to share my story with my students, what you're really doing is looking for commiseration. You're really looking for cohorts. And I know a lot of situations, I've seen a lot of situations that went down like that. And I've known a lot of people that kind of used their students and their clients to try to heal. And, you know, we are service professionals and we have a huge responsibility. So yes, we need to be human. We need to be honest and we need to be vulnerable, but we also need to be fucking responsible. Mm. So, so let's, let's do this really quickly. Let's talk about the education that you guys have created. So that way we can kind of give the fitness industry some guidance with this um, who want, you want to start with that, Christine or Carly? Well, we saw the need. So far, yeah. I mean, we saw the need years ago that, you know what, we would see all of this educate. We would see, honestly, we'd see education and workshops and it would be, this is what a fitness, you know, this is what a eating disorder is. This is what to look for. Great. Okay. Um, and it was just literally like, you I'll, know, I'll even lectures. say real quick, I, I see very little on mm-hmm. eating disorders. I see nothing on eating disorders. I see, uncomfortable. A, I, see a, I see a lot on nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you it's know. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. No one. And by the way, you know how, how weird it is when you're the people that walk into that session. <gasps> this session is going to be a lecture about eating disorders. It's like, yeah, it's oh, like, absolutely. you know, it's like, yeah, it do you be. have one? Do, yeah. do you, what do you suffer from? Like, wh- it, it shouldn't be like that. It's I, a, well, there's, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that the recovery programs are anonymous, right? You know, yeah, it's and not- that's the shame part of it, you know, and the only way to get rid of that shame is 
to be open about it and to share our stories and say it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just part of the human condition, man. Yeah. So right. we, you know, we decided years ago we wanted to, to collaborate and about a year and a half ago, a opportunity arose and we finally came together and wrote a course um, just the first of many and, you know, started speaking about, you know, re- really being very vocal um, and wrote an eating disorders for fitness professionals um, course that is, you know, it's on the, it sits on the MedFit platform, but obviously we speak and, and do a lot, um, you know, ourselves as well for education. And that is to really not just tell you what eating disorders are, but disordered eating, which I think you need to talk about in a moment because that's just everybody. Um, but eating just dis- what is an eating disorder, but what is disordered eating? What is this orthorexia thing? Everyone's like, oh, I can only eat at Whole Foods and I can, you know, like <laughs> things are getting out of control. And yeah. this is this is kind of our baby of how do you what's the next step? OK, well, now I know what it is. That's great. But what can I do and what words do I use? And like your triggers and, you know, we get into the whole idea of like, you look great. Well, wait, why are you sharing your views of how someone else looks and judging them? It, no, it's great to see you. And that's just one teeny example of how to interact and how to be a help and not a hinder and not a trigger for people. And that's really where we're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's not that much mention of eating disorders because people think that they're not that they're not real, but they're not prevalent. Right. People think, oh, you know, remember that after school special with I think it was Tracy Gold in the 80s. Right. And she mm-hmm. was really skinny and she went to the hospital and then she got better. So that, that was I mean, such a good Carpenter one. Story. I haven't thought about yeah, that. Right? that we got to pull that one back up. Tracy Gold. Yeah. Growing loved pains, her. right? So, yeah. So people think, you know, eating disorders, Karen Carpenter, anorexia, done. Like one in a couple thousand people have it. It's definitely going to be like a teenage white girl in suburbia. Like those are the only people that are impacted by eating disorders. So um, we really spent some time talking about all the different eating disorders and what they are, that they impact every single person. So they they don't discriminate by age, by race, by gender identity, by socioeconomic status, by anything. They are they're prevalent in every community you can imagine. But what we don't really talk about is the whole disordered eating part in a general conversation. So Christine and I've spent a lot of time talking about the other eating disorders. This is what, this is what they are, but then there's this whole spectrum of disordered behaviors that we as fitness professionals often encourage. So if you, if you look at this on a spectrum, right, there's disordered eating on eating disorders on one end, far end, like this is a clinical diagnosed thing. Then on the other end, there's this thing, um, Brian, you can tell us if you've ever experienced this or you get it because we just don't. Mm. It's called intuitive eating. It means you eat what you want, when you want it, mm-hmm. and then you stop when you're full and there's no emotional attachment. No, I, I mean, I've, I've never experienced that. I, I, have the, I have the disease of more as well. More, yeah. more, more, where some people, I guess, in this case, have less, less, less. And that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We had, Carly and I had the best conversation the other day. I was like, what's, what's full? <laughs> right. what's, like, I don't know. What's hungry? What's hungry? <laughs> Wait, what? Like, when do you stop? What? what? I mean, I those are when the, it's gone. Those are the things that, <laughs> you know, some people, it's like, oh, well, I'm full. Like, for some of us, 
we don't know those feelings. Look, I, it's like it's so weird to describe that to people who don't who like are like, yeah, no, 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 aren't you absolutely. full? And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I know what because I know what I should be eating and I know what that, you know, like science tells me, but I don't understand. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. So that's the far end of the spectrum. I don't know anybody really who does that. It's like a unicorn somewhere out there, but I've heard that it really exists. Yeah. That you but hear about it us- like coming like, like in China, <laughs> right? That's yeah. the way the China or the Japanese eat. Or they children. Eat, they eat a third of their meal and children. Right. Yeah. Children. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Kids. But so in the middle, there's a spectrum of disordered behaviors. Like mm, I can't eat this because I ate too much at lunch, not because I feel full, but because I shouldn't, or I need to exercise extra tomorrow because I had two slices of pizza instead of one, or how many crunches does it take to burn off this cupcake or um, I'm not going to eat after 7 p.m. Or, oh, shit, I didn't get my 10,000 steps today. I'm going to walk around the kitchen island 32 times before I go to sleep. <laughs> like all of those things are disordered behaviors. It, it, there, there's a disordered relationship with your body and with what you put in it. And as fitness professionals, sometimes we encourage that by like, did you get your steps in today? Right. Like. Did you have oh, your shit, shake? Did you have your shake right, right after your workout? Because if you don't have your shake within thirty minutes, then you're not going to get the protein, and then just blah 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 blah, and don't eat four after four hours after that because right. what? And then in the disordered mind, it's and then if I don't, then I'm a bad person. Then I am not worthy of X. Then I am not allowed to enjoy my day, and that's that's where it starts to spiral. And a lot of a lot of us, a lot of people are on that spectrum, and they stay on that spectrum, right? They go a little bit down one road, a little bit down the other. It never gets to the point of being an eating disorder, but they don't have a healthy relationship with food or with their bodies. And that's all on this spectrum that we really need to recognize. The whole idea of orthorexia is another huge one that we talk about all the time because people do things. We had, I think our, what, our second or third episode ever of this show was like healthy things or unhealthy things we do in the name of health. Or yeah. we had one of those. Thing, things that are, you know, yeah. <laughs> marketed yeah, was, in the way of health that are super unhealthy. Right. We do all these things mm-hmm. that are like mm-hmm. so unhealthy for us, but we, we're just brainwashed or we think it's healthy. And we think yeah. that, you know, people are telling I, us. I had somebody at the gym this morning. You know, he was very, very upfront with me and he, you know, a lot, you know, as a trainer, sometimes they, they tell you things that they think you want to hear. Like, I don't eat carbs. Oh, and I'm God. like, all right, great. <laughs> like, Good for like, you. Good luck with that. Yeah. Your body <laughs> needs them. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, but it's, it's just like, you right. know, they, they, they're, they, and you know, I could, the guy probably eats carbs. <laughs> you know? like probably, All of them. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it was just one of those things. In his closet at night when no one's looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the, that behavior. He's got control. Um, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. The, you know, the things that we do in the name of health that are yeah. very unhealthy. So the, the whole orthorexia thing is, is just so huge right now. And I think um, with some of the research that we'd pulled up, I think, was about um, college students how they're like leading the the population right now in orthorexia. And that is where you're just overly consumed with like everything has to be, you know, 
whole this and, you know, free range this. And if it's not organic, it's going to kill you, you know, like you're and it's like we're now completely obsessed. Like I'm, I'm happy you're eating. Plant, but you're, plant based. Well, that's, uh, you know, but your whole world, you're like you're plant based, but your whole world does not revolve around. Your yeah, food. but I'm plant based. Yeah, I'm plant based too. I'm yeah. plant based, but I could look at something and be like, "That's crap," <laughs> right? It's got a plant based, like fat free, mm-hmm. right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's not for me. Yeah, I yeah. I, I mean, just, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, but you know that came from that that didn't come from trying to limit my calories. Uh, fun, quick story. It's where it came from. When I was a kid, um, this will also give you a window into my father. Um, we would have chicken and I would say thank you because, you know, I was a well-mannered child and I was probably afraid of my dad. So I wanted to be polite and say thank you for cooking because he was the one that cooked in the family. And he would say, don't thank me. Thank Foghorn Leghorn. You just ate him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, oh, yeah. My mother, the therapist who chances oh. are will listen to this episode, will tell my kids, eat the chicken so that it didn't die for nothing. For nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would have been traumatized by that, too. Good job, Mimi. Oh, yep. <laughs> how old were you when you were eating your pets? Oh, from the beginning, from the very beginning. Yeah. So when I start, when I was like 10, I started to ask to be a vegetarian and they would let me. But um, when I was somewhere between 14 and 15, uh, my parents made a deal with me. And this was before any of the eating sort of crap kicked in. They said, if you can make your own dinner and sit down at the table at six o'clock with us, then you can be a vegetarian thinking that there was no way that I could pull that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sure yeah, I never can. didn't turn back. So, but yeah, so that's, that's where that came from. But vegetarianism, plant-based stuff, gluten-free, all of those things, a lot of people use to be able to just limit their calories and to be able to, get deeper into a disordered eating behavior. And that's something to look at. If you have a client that's all of a sudden, oh, gluten, oh, I have a gluten sensitivity. Oh, I'm vegetarian. Oh, I'm vegan. Like, why? Why? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Do you, and then people start making things up like, oh, well, I can't have, you know, I'm, I'm just going to get rid of lactose to see, and I'm just going to get rid of gluten right. just to see. And it's like, yep. well, all of a sudden now you've gotten rid of almost everything except for celery cucumbers um you know iceberg lettuce stalks and you know something else and it's the good old baked potato right oh yeah no way too many carbs in a baked too many carbs but they fill you up and it's nothing on it you know plain baked potato they go a long way i will tell you that that gumballs kept me alive for most of my college career because i didn't realize in my my disordered mind that you're actually swallowing all that sugar as you chew it in my disordered mind. I was spitting it out. So I wasn't eating it. And I chewed so much gum, like, like boxes and boxes of those like double bubble gumballs, like so much gum every day, all day. Your teeth. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, my teeth are, my teeth are screwed from lack of calcium from the eating disorder. So they're very brittle, but yeah. yeah, I mean, Double bubble kept me alive, man. <laughs> Probably that and toothpaste. Oh my gosh, crazy! But this is this is normal. Yeah, this is the and this yeah. is why we need to have this conversation because this is so normal for so many people who 
don't even realize it. And the other thing, and it's okay. Yeah. And the other thing is that a lot of people are suffering and they don't look like they're 90 pounds. And by the way, people who also suffer may be 390 pounds, which is another thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about a lot is that you don't have to be 90 pounds. Like look at the person, you know, someone who's 500 pounds didn't get to be 500 pounds because they're hungry. There's, there's more attached to that food than just, you know, than being and having a healthy appetite, whatever that means. Malnourished Mm -hmm. is poor, you know, mal is bad nourishment for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, you know, I think that's really important. You know what I do want to ask you while, you know, while our listeners are, are here is, and I'll, you know, we can jump in on this too, but what's the goal? Like what, how is it, you know, aside from, you know, educating fitness professionals and everyone, what is it? Like what, what are some things that people should be doing now just to, to help, to, to start a conversation? Normalizing the behavior, uh, normalizing the fact that we all have issues, um, the more we normalize it, the less shame it's involved and the less we're going to have to hide it. But really thinking about what you say, fit, fit pros, think about what you name your classes. Think about what you name your, your contests. Think about how you set goals with your clients. Um, understand that we as a society really don't know what a healthy weight is. Uh, my healthy weight is different than Brian's healthy weight, which is different than your healthy weight. And it has nothing to do with BMI or a chart that somebody made in the 1970s based on junk science. And we're still basing things on BMI and normal weight. Um, none of that, none of that is accurate. So I think we need to kind of erase those standards from our head and understand that someone who is a hundred pounds and someone who is 400 pounds may be equally as healthy. They just have different shaped shells. And that's pretty much where it where it ends. We have such a fat phobic society, right? And such an ideal that's unrealistic for many people. And that's gonna be a tough hurdle to get past. And and that's where I, I you know, I get into what the fitness industry promotes, the what the fitness industry advertises, what the fitness industry oh. you know, like it like it is it's just so unrealistic and you know and even with the rise of instagram and you know um uh, swimsuit models fitness uh instructors that you know are out there and the influencers and all and all those things i i just think that it's just so poorly done um you know and and even the way like the 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 anti that kind of chains like you know that they they you know they don't promote they they go the opposite direction then they say like you know we don't we aren't that type of gym right like what is it planet fitness i think is the, it the what, one the judgment free no judgment yeah the judgment yeah. free zone oh, and everyone's judging everyone the, like pick Come things on. up and put things down you know like that's you know it, it's just it's just it's so silly like they just get it so so wrong and you know it's all physical appearance stuff it's all it's not based on health mm-hmm. whatsoever it's it's you know it's it's all just kind of so so how do we how do we change that how do we get out of that how, i mean besides education like is there is there a goal or is there a way that we can position this that would be more helpful to people I say speak. Let's just start talking. Like, let's yeah. start talking so that, you know, like for Carly and I, wow, okay, here's her story. Here's my story. And we, you know, we, we're open and we share things with, 
you know, with people when we talk or present and, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, like me too. Or, you know, I've got friends or, you know, sisters or brothers. And that's, we didn't even get into that, that, um, and I'm curious, Brian, of what you've, of what you see a lot with your, uh, with your men and, and dads that oh, you train all, and whatnot. They're, that, all, they're all scared to shit just the same, thinking that they've got mm-hmm. it under control and all together and they're embarrassed mostly by their current state of health and they're, you, you know, they would they would chop an arm off to lose weight, uh, you know, and and it's, yeah, it, it's no it's no different. I mean, we're, we're maybe from Mars or Venus or wherever we're from, but, um, you know, and... But it, it's the same. It's the same. They look at themselves in the mirror just the same. Um, you know, I do. Why not, you know? Yeah, well, it's it's years and years and years and years and years of conditioning, right, about what we're supposed to look like. Yeah. I think we can start kind of gearing the conversation or turning the conversation to focusing on what the body can do versus what the body looks like. But, you know, if we're the only three people doing it, then it doesn't really – really have an impact so the more more we focus on that in our training in our coaching in our marketing um and that doesn't mean putting photos on instagram of people of different shapes and sizes because even when you do that people look at it and they judge it so instead of just trying to be diverse by putting someone who's overweight and somebody who's underweight and somebody who's black and somebody who's white in the same picture how about we just advertise movement, advertise feeling better, advertise speed training, advertise mobility, things like that. And whatever the person looks like, the person looks like not trying to fill a quota because that's what we're doing now because we're trying to be more sensitive to these things. So all we're doing is trying to fill a quota and and meet some kind of requirement. And it's it's not helping. It's everybody's playing the game, and it's funny because I can see you guys, so I can see you smiling, Brian, because you're like, yeah, that's exactly what everybody's no, doing. I, I, it's it, just I have a group of autistic kids that I bring into the gym twice a week, and they're they're fantastic. It's like the highlight of my week. It's like they're they're very best, but they do not, and you can tell by taking one look at their style and their dress and however uh-huh. they the. The you know aesthetics and personal appearance and thing it just isn't on their radar. They're feelers. They don't care about how they look or what exercise does for them physically. They're not there for weight loss. They're not there for any of that stuff. They're there to feel good, right? Yeah. And, and when I ask for feedback from either the you know the teachers or the or the kids themselves or their parents or whoever you know is is wants to give it to me, those are usually the three that I that I ask for. It's about they eat better at home. They sit still longer. Their attention spans better. Um, they sleep better. Um, you know, the, some of the autistic kids have like leaky gut and, and things, so their bowel movements are better. Uh, you know, these are like mm-hmm. the reports that you get back. They 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 smile when they think about going to your classes. Uh, you know, all these things that are completely beyond like if we just gave every like adult that works out better sleep better uh you know overall attention uh better you know nutrition that they would kind of focus on just you know just being better and you know i guess a better bowel movement every now and then uh you know like all these things that these kids just don't consider you know if i ask them how they feel they'll they can like point to it right 
They don't give me a word. They don't give me an emoji. They don't give me anything. They'll like actually like say, I feel it right here or I feel it like in here. And I point to their their gut or their chest or their sternum or wherever their the action is taking place in their body. And and that's, you know, kind of the goal of all this stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't always exercise. I, I've never I've lost weight in my life through exercise. I don't think that I've really ever exercised to lose weight. I've exercised for performance a lot, right? Yeah. Like I wanted to get faster. I wanted to get like that was the goal always. And, you know, we're stronger. And, you know, but but I'm I think I'm rare with that. I mean, I think that that's mm-hmm. just not really the the case and I mean, look, and my perspective on this thing is 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 clear. I get where you're coming from, right? I'm I'm in recovery for a long long time from alcohol and drugs and you know so i get the behavior i get the hiding i get the message you know but i also Mm -hmm. get that i need to have the tools right it doesn't matter what anybody else does it doesn't matter what the trainer says to Mm -hmm. me i went to a restaurant last i went to a restaurant last night and and they you know they came around and they said can i take your drink order right Mm -hmm. water please well yeah with with bubbles in it seltzer right but you know, like if they gave me the wine list and I order a wine, that's on me, right? So, right. right. So, you know, we can, I guess this is me playing devil's advocate here. Um, is it on the trainer to provide the safe environment at all times for the client or the person that's in front of them? No, I mean, it's, it's not on the trainer to provide a completely safe environment. That's not at all. But it is on the trainer to have a broader perspective it is on the trainer to not pigeonhole someone into a category based on what they see with their eyes right um i think i think it's it's on the trainer to when a client walks into their office for the first time for an assessment for them to say what are you here for instead of how much weight do you want to lose right and what if their response is, um, um, you know, what do we hear from 95% of the people that walk into our offices? I want to lose weight and I want to tone up. And you know what? I think that I'm so happy that you asked that because a lot of people hear what we're saying and, and see the things that we're doing and they're like, well, some people want to lose weight. Absolutely. Right. And some people need to lose weight for their health, for their performance. And we're not saying never train somebody to lose weight. We're saying let them tell you that they want to lose weight and then ask them why. And if they happen to say, well, because I hate myself, then that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but if they say, because my doctor said I need to lose 15 pounds before I have X procedure, you're like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. or get off medication. Absolutely. Because there are reasons that people need to lose weight and want to lose weight. And that's valid. If I want to lose weight, this is my body. I have all the time to talk about this. This is my body, and I make the decisions for what I'm going to do with my body, right? Here, so if here. I want to lose weight, yeah, I, I'm going to say it. This is what I want to do. But if I walked into your office, Christine, and said, mm, I'm not sure exactly what my goals are. I want to, you know, I, I just want to get better at things. And you say, let's get on the scale. That's a problem. Because mm-hmm. that's not a measure of me getting better at whatever sport I want to play. The other thing that I think is up to the, the, the trainer and the fitness professional, it is your responsibility to understand how to communicate with your clients. 
Now, I work a lot with people with chronic diseases. It is really important for me to understand how to speak to them, and that is totally different than if I train someone who wants to run their first half marathon. It's a totally different conversation, a different level of fitness, different capabilities, and you want to make sure that person is comfortable with that said, you're working with someone, you know, that has an eating disorder is on the spectrum, which is everybody. So I feel like every personal trainer, every fitness instructor, everyone needs to have some sort of education about this because you need to understand what they're going through, you know, emotionally, you need to be able to talk to them with the right words so that you don't trigger them by saying, oh, you look great in those pants. Did you lose weight? Like what? I mean, that's a huge, you think you're doing great things? No, that's a spiral. So what do you say? And that's the thing that, you know, I think we're trying to broadcast to trainers and people out there that we have these tools to help you better communicate with this demographic. And guess what? We're not medical doctors, so we also have an ammunition of referrals. Go to go to NIDA.org, the National Eating Disorder Association, and just type in your zip code, find, you know, just even you can read, you could be anonymous. No one even knows. Um, but at least having that info to give to people, um, which I think people don't have either. So I don't know. And learning to stay in your lane, you know, we're trainers. We don't talk unless you're a nutritionist as well. You don't talk about food. They want to talk about food. You refer them to a nutritionist. They talk about, you know, how they hate themselves and how they're up at night with anxiety. You're not a therapist, man have a list of people that you can refer them to, but tell them that you're concerned. Tell them that you care. Tell them that you're on their team and then provide other people to put on that team. All we do as Fit Pros is movement. We cue movement. We correct movement. That's what we do. Oh, this is good. So Carly, this she had a really good um, example. I don't, this is a while ago. And it was, we do these role plays sometimes. So, um, you know, it was like, all right, Carly, well, what if, what if I come up to you in the gym and I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, I hate the way my pants look. I want to lose 10 pounds. I just hate how I look. It's like, well, what do you say to that person? And one of the great things that Carly says is like, you know, you can't be like, oh, I hate my pants too. Or I, you know, you don't want to, you know, really encourage that. But what you can say when you hear this negative self-talk is, Wow, you know, I it really upsets me that you speak about yourself that way. And I've actually used that multiple times since we've talked it about this. Makes me sad that you feel that yeah, way. Yeah, it really saddens me that you that you think that that you say that about yourself because you're an amazing person. I say nothing about looks, just that you're right. you're a wonderful human, you're a great person. And it it is actually I've never gotten a response. It's just like silence because <laughs> they don't know how to mm-hmm. respond to it. I'm like, wow. I thought, but it makes them think, makes them stop mm-hmm. and think. And if we could at least get that started, then, then that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's do this. Number one, Carly, you also just real fast, you started a new endeavor because you're also the creator of, of Barflow, which we talked about in a prior episode, but you just started something right. with barefit. Oh, yeah. Can you yeah, tell everyone what the heck that, that is really fast before we end? That's important. Yeah. So bare, 
Barefoot is a, a company that creates equipment and they created a suspension system that is actually 900 pound capable. So there are other ones out there that are, do not have that capacity. So they were really trying to find a way to broadcast this product. So I wrote a certification for FitPros um, suspension system training. So I will be going around doing that. It's online. It's available now. It's only 99 bucks for the certification and it's CEUs for ACE, APA, NASM. Um, and you can use the training with other suspension systems, but you know, I wrote this one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do us a favor. Tell us really fast what that, where they can go to find that out. Barefitusa.com. Okay. All right. And bear as in B-A-R-E. B-A-R-E. Okay. And now plug Mm -hmm. the eating disorders course. Tell us about that. Oh, so we have eating disorders, what fit pros need to know on the MedFit platform. Um, Christine, what's the website for that? You know it better than I do. Brian. (laughs) MedFitED.org. Is that it? Yeah. MedFitED.org. Yeah, or Google MedFit Classroom. It's it's up there. www.medfitclassroom.org. And then look at... And um, at different available workshops and courses. There it is. There it is. So there it is. So good. So good. Brian, what else? Parting, parting words. You're a little uh, bit quiet today. No, I, I'm. Uh, well, no, here. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm here to listen to you guys. I mean, this is your. This is your topic. This is your your floor. I mean, like I said, I threw in a little devil's advocate. I you didn't know, get angry like today. I usually Normally, do. I get angry. Um, I, you know, I I coach high school girls track and field, and it's something that we talk about. And we have to, um, you know, from time to time. And uh, I'm actually going to a summer camp at Monmouth University this year, where the kids are there, and it's the cross country camp, and they bring me in to speak about nutrition and performance and uh you know it's important because you do have to give them information you do have to tell them that these things exist you do have to tell them i have a great video um that i can share with you guys it's from molly huddle who's our you know perhaps our greatest american runner uh, distance runner ever um she's fantastic and she says it's not the skinny girl that wins get that out of your head Um, you know, it's not, it's the, it's the healthy girl. It's the strong girl. It's the, you know, it's the, it's, and you know, it's her words, um, which is important. Uh, I'm always a little, you know, I'm always a little nervous to talk about it. I'm credentialed to speak about it. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that I get across to them is it's okay to be, eat like a shithead sometimes and, (laughs) and, and like a high school kid and, you know, get a B plus, right? Like getting straight A's is rigid and hard. And, and if you're, you know, if we're looking for a grade in nutrition, it's, it's a B plus because that's probably where your performance lies. And if it's hard all the time, like school's hard, practice is hard, competing's hard, all these things are, if nutrition's hard too, like it's just going to be, it's, it's just too much at some time. There's a breaking point. No, I think it's great that you talk to kids about that. And I think more people need to talk about that with their, their student athletes. I think if they did that at that age, things would be a lot better. Um, and even younger, you know, middle school, even grade school now talking to not only girls, talking to boys, talking to everybody about exactly that. I think that's important. Hey, I know uh, this girl named Carly Taylor and Christine Conti who could actually speak about that in your schools. You should call them. <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah, I look mean, them up. I mean, we travel well. Hmm. Carly fits right in my mm-hmm. little carry-on case. You know, 
I feed her. <laughs> feed her every once in a while. No, I better have a heater, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, Carly, any last uh, golden nuggets you want to give the uh, Too Fit Crazy listeners? No, I think I think we covered it all. But really, just think before you speak. That's a big one. Think before you speak. And that doesn't just apply to eating disorders, right? That's, mm. yeah. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, Carly. It oh, is man. always a pleasure. And I love you tons. Thanks for coming on the uh, on the show today. And um, that's a wrap. So that's it is wrap. Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Too Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.